Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch radio. I'm Robert Ray Pierre, senior contributor from Forbes, sitting in for Kim Bellotto. This is my first time sitting on this side of the interview chair, so bear with me a little bit. Um, I've got a, a very interesting guest today we'll get to, um, but this morning I got a text from my sister who teaches high school in Oklahoma, and she told me she's using one of my Forbes articles to teach her class something about energy. I was really tickled by this because I am passionate about educating people on energy issues, but to me it always feels like the public, and especially younger generations, aren't that interested in energy issues. Uh, it seems like interest only really spikes when gas prices spike or there's some oil issue in the Middle East. That's when suddenly everybody becomes interested in energy issues. Well, today's guest has convinced me that's not true. So when they told me I could ask anyone I wanted to be on the show, the choice for me was very clear. Today's guest, Matt Randolph, is not only a VP and principal partner of the oil company Sentinel Energy LLC, he's also a TikTok sensation. Matt, or Mr. Global, as he goes by on TikTok, has over 350,000 followers, and his videos have been viewed hundreds of millions of times. He also has a YouTube channel where he has around 11,000 subscribers. His videos are educational and entertaining, and they are especially embraced by younger people. Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. Robert, thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. Um, so in this first segment, I want to do a couple of things. So I've watched a lot of your videos, and I haven't seen one where you really describe your journey in the oil industry. Like, how did it start? Uh, what drew you to that career? And, and what are you doing today? And then, um, either in this segment or the next segment, I'd like to talk to, to you about how you got involved in TikTok. So uh, first, uh, you know, what, what drew you to the oil industry? Well, Robert, uh... I was planted in Western Oklahoma in 1979 <laughs> as a five-year-old, and um, I'm sure you're familiar with the history. So, you know, the oil field was booming. This was, I currently live in Elk City, and it was just a massive boom town at the time. And that's kind of what I grew up in. It wouldn't be unusual, you know, for us to, to take the pickup out and sit on the tailgate and watch a rig burn to the ground. Like, that was not an atypical you know, day for me, um, I I got to I got to sit at the edge of a massive crater and watch the Apache Keys blow out in Allison, Texas, when I was seven years old. You could, they would literally let you drive right up to it and watch it back then. You know, they were little times were a little different back then. You know, so <laughs> um, I was fascinated with this industry at a very early age, and everyone I knew, you know, my family and and friends, everyone worked in this industry. Um, I think we had about 4,000 rigs up in 1981, and I think they tried to stick half of them right here in Elk City, Oklahoma. So when I got, you know, out of high school, um, where I'm from, you either go to college or you you get in the oil field, and I decided to do both. So I worked nights on a, on a drilling rig for Anadarko Drilling, and when I would get off work in the morning, I'd run over to Southwestern and, and take my classes, you know, my college classes, and I did that for a while, and it was exhausting. And 
I made the mistake that a lot of young kids make. I, I decided, wow, you know, I'm making probably three times more money on this rig than I'll make when I graduate. Why am I going to school? So I, I quit school. And, <laughs> uh, and that kind of started my my career in the industry. I, I, I do want to add, I did go back later and get my degree, but um, I spent a few years in drilling, most of it with H&P. Um, but then when I got on the completion side of the business, that's when I really fell in love with it. Um, I just, I loved it a lot more than, than the drilling side. And I spent my career right here in Elk City, um, working for different companies and just, just worked my way up. Um, I, uh, eventually in, um, you know, 2004, I reached out to a friend who had started an oil and gas service company. He had started a wireline company and, and I had always had aspirations of doing that. And I, I basically asked him how he did it. And, uh, Two weeks later, I'm I'm sitting in a in a boardroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in front of a bunch of investors, and and they're agreeing to basically finance my new company. So, uh, started that company in 2004. That was called Sooner Pressure Control. Um, and then and then from there, you know, we grew that company. It was it was very successful. Within a few years, we had five locate locations across the United States, and uh. But th that's when I learned about uh, the business side of the oil and gas industry. So uh, we had an opportunity to sell, and uh, it was a couple of days, a couple of days before we were closing on the sale of that business. And you know, the investors came and said, you know, they called a special meeting and said, we think we want to wait another six months. We we think we can squeeze some more money out of them. And um, well, about two months after that, the Great Recession hit. So uh, that was devastating to our business. You know, our our value probably fell by ninety percent um, during that time, and 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 then they viewed that as as a perfect time uh, to get my equity back. So they, <laughs> the I I built the business and it it pretty much was on cruise control at that point. And so they voted me out uh, when my value was at the lowest it could possibly be. Um, and so that was my first hard lesson in the industry of, of just how tough the business itself is. Um, so they, they did not do well after that. I can put it to you that way. In the, the seven years I ran that business, I only had one person quit. And that, that is the one thing from that company that I've always been the most proud of. You know, seven years, five locations across the United States, and I only had one person ever resign. And that's because, you know, that's just a testament to the way we treat people in the business, the way they should be treated. So uh, from there, I, I started, uh, I was going to start another company and ended up consulting for, for Sandridge. Uh, and then one day, Big Oil called, and I ended up working for Big Oil, and that's when I really was able to develop my skills because those are the companies that invest a lot of money in you personally and, and developing your knowledge and your skills. And I had already decided that I was going to develop myself as much as I could because what happened to me with my prior company was never going to happen again. I was going to ensure that never happened again. So and that was with Shell, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of great opportunities at Shell. I was I was able to study abroad. Um, that's where I received my formal appointment. 
um, as a hydraulic fracturing expert. Um, I was able to 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 participate in all of the research and development projects and and really doing what I was passionate about. You know, I, I went to college. I wanted to be an educator. I always wanted to be a teacher, and I just love teaching people. And so the thing I love the most about working at Shell was being a mentor for graduate engineers. And I I did it the whole time I was there. I volunteered for every single kid that came out of college, and I. It was a little bit self-serving, uh, to be honest, because what they didn't realize is that I was learning as much from them as they were learning from me. I, that's one of the reasons I love teaching. You know, I have all these young people coming in with these, you know, petroleum engineering degrees and chemical engineering degrees from from very prestigious universities. That was something I was not, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was young. And I learned so much from these graduates and I taught them so much and they helped me, you know, develop my skill set as much as anybody. So um, after I left Shell, uh, I, I came back home and we have a couple of businesses here in Elk City where I live. And I had pretty much decided that I was out of the business at that point. I had, you know, 30 years in and just kind of tired of it. And then, you know, my phone rings one day. and. Uh, it's a guy named Steve McDaniel, you know, the the former founder of Mid-States Petroleum. And he said, hey, I want to I want to start a new oil company and I want you to do it with me. I want you to come with me. And I was like, you know, it's not every day a guy like Steve McDaniel calls you and says, let's go do something. So I jumped on that opportunity as, as fast as I could. And uh, it was the, the story he told me was amazing because he was referred to me um, apparently by uh a guy named Marvin Odom, who you may have heard of, was former president of Shell Unconventionals. And how Marvin knew me, I have no idea because I'd only ever met him once. But apparently I left an impression on him. So here I am today, uh, you know, building an oil company. That's that's what I'm doing today. So it's I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so uh, I, I it's very interesting to me to see how your career's gone because it's uh, I you know people may know you're you grew up in Oklahoma, I grew up in Oklahoma. You went to work for Shell, I went to work for Conical Phillips, and I, I echo a lot of what you say that um, you know you, young engineers. I, I'll tell them you know if you work for a small company, try to take a tour through a large oil and gas company because you will learn a lot there that you will not necessarily learn. At a small company, sometimes a small company, you're wearing multiple hats and, uh, you know, some of the things fall through the cracks, I think, that, uh, you know, you, you miss some things. Um, you know, my, my current company, I went to work for them and uh, they didn't know what a HAZOP was. Um, you know, I said, you know, we got to do a HAZOP on this project. And they're like, you know, what is it? Um, and, and I learned that, you know, working for a big oil and gas company. I learned how to do those things. And so I would recommend everybody. Um, you know, if you get a chance, go to work for big oil and, um, you know, and, and, and I'm the same way. Somebody came knocking on my door one day and I was on an expat assignment in the Netherlands. I mean, in, in uh, Scotland and somebody from the Netherlands called and said, Hey, we'd like to get you to come to work. It was a really hard decision, but like you, I said, well, it was an opportunity that, uh, that I had to take. So we need to take a quick, uh, break. Um, when we come back, I'd like to talk to you about, you know, how, how the TikTok thing happened, because, uh, you know, that's where people know you from. And I, I, uh, I'd really be interested in how that came about and how you uh, developed a following there. So let's take a quick commercial break. And then after the break, I'll ask you a little bit more about that. 
In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to texasmutual.com slash T-X-O-G-A. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio. I'm Robert Rapier today with my guest, Matt Randolph. So Matt, just before the break, um, we're talking about TikTok and how that came about. Because I, I can tell you for years, I've had people asking me, hey, uh, do you know this guy on TikTok? He's, uh, he's from Oklahoma like you. He seems to have a lot of the same views that you have. And uh, it seems like somebody you would know. And I, you know, over time, I'd, I'd check in and I'd look and I'd say, yeah, that sounds like exactly that I feel the same way about the issue that he said. And I, I had not just one, but I had multiple friends from all over the country pinging me and saying, hey, check this guy out. And so you finally inspired me to sign up. I, I signed up just so I could comment. Um, you know, I had kind of shunned TikTok because I said, you know, younger people don't care that much about energy, but. I see the engagement you get and I'm like, I'm very impressed because, you know, the youth of the future and, and I'm glad to see you out there kind of correcting a lot of the misconceptions. So so tell me about that journey and how that's been. So, um, you know, I was, I, I kind of was off social media for the most part there for, for quite a while because there's just, it, it's, it's, it, there's so much misinformation, you know what I mean? Uh, and I had kind of gotten off social media. There was a bunch of guys that I worked with that had gotten on that app and I, I never got on it. And I had written a book that I, I wanted to, I self published it and I wanted to promote it. And someone told me, you know, there's people on TikTok that do, that do book reviews. And if you, you know, sign up and go in there and you make a couple of videos promoting your book and, you know, maybe it'll catch on. And, uh, so that's initially why I got on TikTok and I got on there, made a couple of videos. I'll be completely honest. I hated the app. I hated everything about it. I hated what I was watching. Um, but that was because I didn't understand the algorithm and how it worked. And I didn't understand that it would show me what I was interested in. If I just went and looked for it, I didn't, you know, I was new to it. So made a couple of videos, kind of left it at that. And one day I'm, I'm scrolling through and there was this guy that I had followed on the app is he's an artist and his name is Casey Van Arsdale. And, and he does great, you know, the spray paint art, um, his entire living is doing that and and he's just really great at it and so i i started watching him and seeing the art that he would create and one day he posted a question about electric vehicles and he was basically just asking you know does anybody know you know 
are these actually clean? You know, are they actually carbon neutral? Like what, you know, because, you know, the discussion had been started about, you know, the intensity of carbon emissions in the manufacturing process with the batteries and all that. And I thought, hey, this is something I can respond to. I know a little bit about this. So I, I made a video and I, I kind of announced who I was and, and what I did for a living and my background. And then I said, you know, if it really depends on where you live. If you live in the Pacific Northwest, where almost all of the energy is, is renewable, then, you know, your, your, your carbon footprint is, is reduced greatly. And, you know, if you live in Oklahoma or, or if you live in a place where there's a lot of coal or natural gas burned, then it takes, you know, X amount of years before you, you know, reach that carbon neutral as, as, opposed, as compared to, you know, an internal combustion engine. And I, I kind of laid all that out. And I, I posted it as a response, and I didn't really think much about it. And uh, I got up the next day. I was milling around the house doing something, and I opened up my phone, and I looked at it. And I don't know. It had like a million views, and I, was, I had like 50-something thousand followers. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And And people loved that. People loved that there was someone just speaking plainly and truthfully about how they work and and their benefits and and the the positives and the negatives and people just were eating it up. So I I took that and that's kind of how social media hooks you. It it hooks you by giving you a lot of attention. You know that's how it hooks you and and gets you sucked in. And so the dopamine fix. Yes, it is like a dopamine fix. And so I started answering a bunch of questions because that video led to thousands of questions about the oil and gas industry. And most of them um, were because I think people knew, people know that they are misinformed. Right. They do. Like, you know, when they listen to a politician or a political pundit or someone on the media talking about our industry, they know that person's not being truthful. They just don't know anything about it or know how to find out why or any of that. So I was I was their avenue to get the correct information. And from there, it just grew and grew. And a lot of opportunities have come my way from that. But um, the, the thing that the feedback that I get every day is that people know that I'm telling them the truth, that there's there's like there's not any spin on it because I don't care about your politics this is what it is. And, and people trust that. And for me as an expert, that's the only thing I have. I often say that I am the most fact-checked person on TikTok. I am, I am the single most fact-checked person on that app because every single thing I say is heavily scrutinized, heavily fact-checked, you know. And if I'm not right 100% of the time, I catch a lot of grief for that. So um, I work really hard to ensure that I'm giving people the absolute correct information and not just my perspective on things. So that that's kind of how that has gone. So I can um, tell you that um, it has triggered uh, fodder for me to write about at times. You know, sometimes I'll have writer's block and I'll go and I'll say, what are people talking about? What are they interested in? And uh, I sometimes get ideas off of watching either your videos or some comments, some responses to your videos. So 
Um, we got to take another break, but when we come back, I'd like to get into uh, what some of the most common misconceptions that you run into regarding the energy industry are. So uh, with that, we'll be right back on In the Old Patch Radio. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio. I'm Robert Ray Pierre, sitting in for Kim Bellotto this week with my guest, Matt Randolph. Matt, before the break, you were telling me about your TikTok journey and about a lot of the misinformation out there. And, and um, I, I've dealt with the same many times. And uh, I, I wonder if you find the same sorts of misconceptions that I often have to deal with. So I'm curious, what are some of the misconceptions that you run into most frequently about the energy industry? Um, I, I think I think. The probably the single most thing I've talked about on that app, and it's and it's because it was such a politically charged issue, was the Keystone XL, and you probably could have guessed that. Um, but that, and the fact that people believe that oil companies just charge whatever they want for a gallon of gas, right. and and that oil companies just charge whatever they want for a barrel of oil. Um, those are basically the main misconceptions and 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 all of those misconceptions are driven by misinformation that's been fed to them through the media um through the government both sides um and and through all of the social media you know so-called social media experts that that know how to do a google search and suddenly can form a complex opinion on something as you know, complex is, is the global oil and gas industry supply chain. Like, um, so that's, <laughs> that's what feeds that. And I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Right. I, another one I find people very, very misinformed about are subsidies. I mean, they, they always think that uh, the oil industry is being propped up by subsidies. And I have to explain, I've, I've written many articles about that. I have to explain, no, you know, they, they see it and they think there is a net flow of cash from the government to the oil companies. I, I have to explain that is not the case at all. You're talking about tax breaks that other companies get. And there's actually a strong net flow of cash from the oil companies back into the government. Yeah. And when I explain that to people, they literally think that that the government is writing checks to oil companies. Um, and when I tell them how much of a cash cow is, the, the oil and gas industry is a cash cow for the U.S. government and, and for the states. Um, it, a lot of them are really perceptive to it. 
And a lot of them are like, well, you're in the industry. That's what you're going to say. But, you know, the, the people that go back and research what I say, they, they find that I'm, that I'm correct in my assertions. So, yeah, the, the subsidies is a huge thing. Yeah, I, I I run into that frequently. Prices is one, and and you know I try to like you. I try to keep the politics out of it, but always you know when you're contradicting, uh, you know, a politician. I, I've been attacked by the right and the left because uh, you know I may be attacking Bernie Sanders, who is complaining about subsidies at the same time he's demanding they keep certain subsidies in place. And I say the the irony there is you know. He doesn't want all subsidies except for those ones that he really wants, the low income heating assistance program and so forth. And I said, that's the problem. You know, people don't really want to get away, get, get away from subsidies. They just don't like the kind that, uh, um, you know, certain kinds, you know, the, the biggest subsidies in the world are consumer subsidies, like, like Venezuela paying way underneath the, the market price. And, but uh, you know, Politicians on the left don't want to get rid of that, and politicians on the right, you know, don't want to get rid of uh, certain tax breaks that uh, you know all companies benefit from. And and uh, I find that a lot of inconsistency. And, and depending on who I'm attacking, I, I get attacked right back and called all kinds of names. <laughs> yeah, if you've noticed in the comment sections of my videos, um, you know, there'll be thousands of comments, and a lot of them will be hey, you need to listen to this guy. He's a conservative. And then you, you go down a couple of comments and it comments and someone's saying, hey, you need to listen to this guy. He's a Democrat. And then, you know, because nobody knows and nobody knows my political leanings, uh, which is because I'm an independent, but that's neither here nor there. When you're speaking just the truth about something, it makes it very difficult for anyone to try to figure out your political leanings because... You know, politics and the truth don't often intersect each other. That is a very rare thing that happens. So I, I laugh watching people trying to figure out what I am uh, politically. <laughs> people get upset when you contradict with facts. I mean, somebody will make, make an assertion, you contradict with facts, and then you get attacked for being a partisan when all you're doing is presenting facts. So um, we got to take another break here. After this, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, your company and kind of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So take me through a day in the life of Matt Randolph and his company. Quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Attention small and medium-sized business owners. Are you feeling overwhelmed with back office tasks like payroll, workers' compensation, federal regulations, safety laws, employment standards, and benefits? Don't worry, Unique HR has your back. For over 30 years, our team of qualified professionals has been providing people-centered solutions to help businesses like yours navigate the heavy burden of running a business and managing their workforce. We're the PEO with a pulse, and we are just a phone call away. Call us today at 361-852-6392. Unique HR, the partner you can trust. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio. I'm Robert Rapier with my guest, Matt Randolph. When I'm watching your videos, um, you know, you answer a lot of questions and I'm always wondering, you know, what, what's a day like in, in the life of Matt Randolph? What, what does your company do? What are you, uh, um, you know, what, what role do you fill in that company? And exactly, I, I know you're a principal, but can you explain to people what does that mean? And what, you know, what kinds of things might you do on a daily basis? Well, you know, we're a small we're a small business, and we're we're building an oil company that um, 
is, you know, the, the parent company to our own oil field services company, our own technology company, our own midstream company, um, and our own environmental company. And, and, and so basically what we did was, you know, during COVID, uh, when everything crashed, you could buy pretty much anything you wanted at an auction that, you know, oil field equipment. And so the, the business model was to stand up an oil field service company. Um, so you didn't have to basically hire anybody to go work on your wells. And so we, we stood up this oil field services company and, and that's the company that we use um, to work on our wells, which makes our, our break-even cost extremely low. Um, I tell people all the time, we're a lot like farmers. You know, when some work needs to be done, we just go out and do it ourselves. We don't, we don't have to spend a lot of money on service providers. So, you know, when I joined the company, um, we had 14 wells total when I joined the company. And uh, as of today, we, we hold a position of over 80,000 acres and roughly 150 wells across the Anadarko Basin, Western Anadarko Basin and uh, the Haynesville. And that is, that is all bootstrap and sweat equity. We didn't borrow a dime. We just went and worked our tails off and made that happen. And we just put our own money in. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I usually don't know what I'm going to do on any given day until 10 o'clock at night, the night before that day. But if you notice in my, in most of my videos, I'm sitting in my pickup, um, <laughs> as I'm doing right now on, on this show, I'm sitting in my pickup. That's because I'm, I'm either going out to locations or I'm, I'm traveling somewhere. I'm, I'm meeting people. Um, you know, it is, our workload is insane. Our workload is absolutely insane. And, but we have an amazing team of people that are cross-trained. I have guys and, and women that can literally run any piece of equipment in the oil field. And then that was one of our goals was to make our people, to develop our people where they could do literally anything. So if we want to go clean out a well, our people can run any of that equipment. You know, if we want to go swab or run slick line or run E-line or, you know, we, we do all of our own well plugging so our guys can cement <laughs> they can do the the e-line the e and the cementing work like we can do it all and that's the what i really love about this business is because it makes me personally feel recession proof you know it makes me feel recession proof because um we we just do it all ourselves and it, it's really a, a team effort by everyone and uh I'm, I'm i'm excited to be a part of it so tell me about what happens at an, an oil well, one of your oil wells. Um, you, you're pumping oil out of the ground. I guess you're separating off the gas. Uh, where's the oil going? Where's the gas going? What 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 happens on a typical well? Yeah, um, you know the the oil is produced and and runs through a typically a, a three phase knockout, and and the oil and water is separated and goes into their tanks, and the gas goes down the sales line. Um, a lot of our our wells. Um, we have a lot of rod lift wells. We had a we have a lot of plunger lift, and we have a lot of uh, gas ascended uh, gas assisted plunger lift. Um, that that's what most of our wells are. But our our business model is basically 
you know, oil companies came out here in the 70s and 80s. And, and back then, you could not, co you could not commingle separate formations. If, if you drilled a well, you had, to, you had to complete one formation. And there are stacked pays out here that were left behind. And, and we often go into old wells and, and plug back uh, those old zones that were completed and open up new zones and, and you know, and frack them and put those wells back online. And, and it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's a high risk thing because sometimes you, you completely fail, but when you win, you win huge. You know, when you win, you win huge. So it's also the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I've, I've, always, I've always worked in constructing and completing a brand new well. And all of the issues and, and trouble and problems that can be brought to you by working on a well that's 40 years old and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to resolve casing issues and just all of the things. There's so many things. Um, it's a much more difficult thing than I've ever done. And that's what I love about it is that it's so challenging um, because I'm, I'm one of those people, I have to be challenged or, or I'll go take a nap. Um, I just, my, my adrenaline is, is manufactured by challenges is the best way to say it. So you collect oil on site there in tanks and someone comes and picks it up or you have uh, yes. little, little collection lines that go into larger lines. Um, how does your oil get from your well to the market? Where, where does it end up? It, it's currently all trucked. Yeah, it is. It is currently all trucked. Um, and, and some of our, you know, up in, you know, the Beaver County area, we have a lot of wells up there. Uh, most of our water is piped directly to a, a large disposal that we own. Um, out here in the Elk City area, you know, we truck our own water. We, we don't call companies to come truck our water. We do it ourselves. That's, you know, why, why pay somebody to do something you can do? Um, but our oil is is trucked um, and uh, ends up at, uh, you know, Plains Marketing Distribution Hub there in Cushing. And that's that's where I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where all of it goes. So we need to take a break again here. And we're going to come up on our last segment. I still got a lot of questions left to ask you, but uh, I'll try to uh, prioritize and get the important ones out of the way. But <laughs> with that, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. I'm Robert Ray Pierre with In the Old Patch Radio with my guest, Matt Randolph. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that'll go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at texasmutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com business profile 
We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio. I'm Robert Ray Pierce, sitting in today for Kim Bellato. My guest, Matt Randolph, and I were talking about a little bit about his company. Uh, Matt, one other question I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what, how do you deal with the environmental issues re- regarding your company? You know, you, you produce water. I guess somebody hauls that off. Uh, you're fracking. Um, you know, what, what steps is your company taking to address concerns about environmental impacts of oil and gas extraction? One of the things we we have a lot of focus on is we we have a couple of different avenues. Um, one of the things we put a lot of focus and attention on is our well plugging. You know, as, as I told you, we plug our own wells and there's been some issues. There, there's been some issues around the country with, with wells that have been plugged, you know, 10, 20 years ago, basically springing leaks, you know? Um, so we put a lot of emphasis on our, and since we plug our own wells and can actually turn profit plugging our own wells, that gives us a lot of room to 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 really perform a high spec plugging operation and go way above and beyond, uh, you know, the state regulations on what we should do. So, uh, you know, if if the state says we need a hundred foot of cement across this shoe, uh, we put two hundred foot of cement there. You know, where the state says we want fifty foot of cement here, we put a hundred feet of cement there. So we really, you know spend a lot of time and focus on ensuring that that is done properly because that is a huge thing to us. You know, we do soil testing. We have all of our own equipment to remediate the land and and, and restore it back to the way it was. We can do the soil testing for that. Um, so, so plugging is a huge issue because wells that need to be plugged is, is a huge environmental concern, obviously. And that's where our technology company comes in. We've, we've, teamed up with a couple of guys at Stanford University. We've created some products. Um, it, it's the PadEye system is what we call it. It's currently in testing. We're testing it in our company. We have another large publicly traded company that is also testing it as well. Um, we have all of our, well, not all of our locations, but at this point, most of our locations have cameras on them, um, regular, you know, everyday cameras, and also, you know, thermal imaging cameras, um, we've, we've developed a system to where what these cameras do is, is they take a snapshot and, and you can set that camera to take a, to take a picture. You can do it. You can set it to take a picture every five seconds, every 10 seconds, you know, every minute, however you want to do it. And all of that data is uploaded to a cloud-based system. When you, when you go in and look at that, what it does is it puts all those single frames together and, and almost makes a video is, is how that works. So, um, but we are looking at ways um, to pair that techno- that technology with artificial intelligence. And our ultimate goal um, is to be able to monitor emissions on wells 24 hours a day remotely, um, which is a huge thing for us. And, and that's what we're working towards. And we're going to get there. Uh, we're absolutely going to get there. So those are some really big things that, that we focus on regarding uh, the environment um, in our business. Okay, so um, staying on that theme, environment, carbon emissions, um, you know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, the the uh, energy transition has been a big theme. Um, 
how do you see that playing out over the next you know 10 to 20 years and and how do you think that will impact you do you do you think 20 years from now you'll still be you know your company will still be producing oil at this level and there'll still be this kind of demand for oil um are you speaking of global demand or i i don't know um 20 years out i i'm guessing 20 years out we've probably hit peak demand and we're probably in that plateau and it's starting to decline just a little bit. Um, I, I personally, um, you know, and, and opinions around the world vary on this. Um, a lot of people believe that, you know, we're going to reach peak oil demand, you know, next week or something. And it's just not a thing. It, it's not a thing. Um, oil demand is growing faster than, than we can build renewable energy. Uh, or total energy demand is growing faster than we can build renewable energy. Um, I've told people for years, you know, a, a lot of people in, in our industry are afraid of renewable energy. And I've been telling them, you know, it's not renewable energy you need to be afraid of. What you need to be afraid of as far as your job is automation and efficiency. Because by the time renewable energy takes your job, you will have been out of work for 20 years due to automation and efficiency. And that's what you need to focus on and broaden your skill set. But there's, I, and I am not an opponent of renewable energy at all. I just feel like I have a good understanding of the energy needs of this country and, you know, the, the, and the world. And if you, even if you take climate change completely out of the conversation, we still need renewable energy to meet our future energy demands. We're, we're just going to need it, whether climate change is a thing or not. We, we need all of the energy we can muster. And so I think oil is going to be around for a, a very long time. And even when it starts to decline, it's, it, it's going, you know, it is not going to be in my lifetime or I don't believe my son's lifetime that, that oil is really taking a hit from renewable energy. I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, it's, it's a bumpy road. It's not easy to change the foundation the entire world was built on. And that is literally what we're trying to do. Um, the oil and gas industry built the world, okay? It, without the oil and gas industry, we would be living in the dark ages. And to think that we can change the very foundation that our whole life is built on and, and do that in any, you know, meaningful amount of time is, is very short-sighted. This is a much larger task than most people think it is. Yeah, the, the perception, I think there's such a perception gap between what the oil and gas industry does for America and how people view the oil and gas industry. I mean, the oil and gas industry is viewed about like cigarette companies. And, and yet, you know, if oil and gas shut down tomorrow, you know, if the cigarette industry shut down tomorrow, it wouldn't affect anything. I mean, people start living longer. But if the oil and gas industry shut down tomorrow, the world would come to a grinding halt. And uh, it's amazing to me. You know, I've, I've lived in other countries, you know, in the Netherlands, they are very positive about Shell. I mean, when I was living over there and Shell's headquartered there and uh, they, they viewed Shell very positively. And we just don't look at our oil companies that way. Um, we've got about a minute left. I wanted to get in a question from a reader uh, who asked me on Facebook. I know you're upstream, but he had a downstream question. What's going on with the refining? Uh, what does the U.S. need to do to fix it? And we've got one minute left. Well, I, I think we're in a spot where, you know, people don't want to invest in that business. You know, it, it's just too much legal headache. Um, and and we, we lost 12 refineries between 2015 
and 2020, if I'm correct. It may be 2016 and 2020, but we lost 12 refineries there. We lost a million barrels a day of refining capacity. That's what's really been driving our, our high gas prices lately, you know, is, is the refining capacity. Super excited about potentially a new 250,000 barrel a day refinery being built in Cushing. But, you know, I, I just don't see people, um, you know, the people that have the money putting it towards refining. Uh, there's too many legal issues. It, it's it's too unpopular. Um, it's bad for the brand, however you want to say it. And, and that is our problem right now. So until we need to become much more efficient, and that will, that to me, that's what's going to help our refining issues, um, is fuel efficiency. We'll, we'll bring that more in line more than anything. Um, and that's my take on that. All right. Well, um, that's all the time we have. Thank you. I wanted to get that question in because somebody wanted me to ask you. I want to thank my guest, Matt Randolph, today for being on the In the Oil Patch Radio. Please tune in next time. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Robert. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.